0: Over the years, a symbol of just giving God some honor and praise and not asking Him for anything. Yes, amen. Just to tell Him we love Him, that we honor Him, that we appreciate Him. And I, for one, in the midst of all the tragedy, all the darkness, all the evil that is in our world today, have learned even more to appreciate the Lord. I haven't given up on God yet. I know He's still alive. I know he's still well. And I know he's still on the throne. And I know he's got everything under control. Whether it looks like it or not, he's got everything under control. I've said it often, God will do anything, any way to get this nation back to him. I'm looking not only for prayers, but I'm looking for repentance. Amen. Our nation has gone astray. We've allowed things that we, wouldn't, our forefathers would never have tolerated. Our presidents would never have tolerated it. We've allowed these things to come into our school and take God out. We've allowed homosexuality, lesbianism to run rampant. and We've allowed the slaughter of millions of children, which is just murder. And our nation has set by and passed laws, legalized it. We need some good old-fashioned repentance from the president on down to the lowest. And I, for one, again, appreciate the Lord tonight. The song just simply says, Heavenly Father, I appreciate you. I love you, I adore you, I bow down before you. Heavenly Father, I appreciate you. And I want you to sing it to Him and do it as a prayer. Appreciate the Lord tonight before we get into the message. Heavenly Father I appreciate you. Let's love him tonight. Yes. Heavenly Father. I love you, Jesus. I love you, adore you. Bow down you. before you, heavenly Father. I appreciate you. Sing it one more time. Reach to heaven, Father. I, I appreciate, appreciate you tonight, Lord. You. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I appreciate you. I love you, Jesus. I adore you. I bow down before you. Heavenly Father, I appreciate you. Let's stand in his presence a few moments. Take a little bit of time just to tell the Lord how much we love him, appreciate him for being there, keeping us, keeping our friends, our loved ones, and our families. Adoration to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We love you, Father. Adoration goes to you tonight. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. reach down and pick up your bibles turn to the 12th chapter of 2nd corinthians while you're doing that the apostle paul is just describing what seems to be an out of a body experience being caught up he says
1: he doesn't know whether it's in the body or out of the body being caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words that's not lawful for him to utter and he could not describe everything that was revealed to him while he was caught up into what is known as the third heaven. And he also realized that if he's glory in anybody, he'd have to glory in God and glory in his infirmities. But there was a downside to that part of it, and he doesn't fail to put that in, beginning at the seventh verse. And lo, I should, and lest I should be exalted above measure... Through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Father, we thank you tonight for the preservation of your word, for the greatness of your power, and more than anything else, for your anointing. We ask tonight, fathers, we begin to speak on this subject If you would anoint our minds that we'd speak only the words of God, you'd anoint the hearts and minds of individuals in the congregation, open their ears to understand, their heart to know. We'll give you honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hear so often many messages on the power of God, and he is powerful, all-powerful, and we don't hear too much about the adversary, the enemy. The cause of everything, all the havoc in this world, and just recently all the hatred and evil that is perpetrated upon our nation was caused by one individual who was cast down many thousands of years, maybe millions of years ago, and become the arch enemy of God and his people. I want to talk tonight about a very present danger, one that is not to be ignored. I want to talk about Satan. Satan doesn't care how much you call him dumb and ignorant. He doesn't care how much you feel like you're victorious over him. He's not aware of the names you call him. He doesn't care what you call him as long as you're not aware of who he is and how active he is in your life. And many times we are not aware of that. He's a very present danger. He's not a joke. He is a living being. He's powerful next to God, was, was next to God in the morning of time. Most of us who are Christians take comfort in 1 John 4.4. That simply says, greater is he, that is Jesus, that is in us than he, Satan, that is in the world. And we think this is some sort of a shield, like it's an automatic armor. But it is not so automatic. It's up to us to recognize Satan and then use what is given us by the power of his spirit to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. In other words, we need to translate our doctrine that we talk about the devil into an experience to realize that we deal with him or should deal with him every day. Sometimes every hour of the day, we deal with him on some level. And it's one thing to discover and to know that the devil is alive and quite another for us to know what to do about it and know his ways. Now, Pastor preached on knowing God's ways last Sunday night, a marvelous message to find God's ways. And to know God's ways then we can surely know satan's ways but it is not an automatic thing the bible tells us to watch and pray my father used to say so often that many times we're so busy praying that we don't watch and we pray and then we turn right around and walk into the same snare that god delivered us out of uh, just maybe the next day because we fail to do them both watch and pray but of course For the most part, we think Satan is just some type of a fool out there that really doesn't know what's going on, and so we don't do that, and he remains free to do what he pleases in the will and lives of a whole lot of us and many of the individuals we love. It is folly for us to believe that we can disobey the commandments of God and still know the devil's uh, ploys and and, and his tricks that he moves upon us. How are we going to watch for him? How many of you know what the devil looks like? Abby, what's the devil look like? Huh? He's what? He's red. Okay, he's red. Teresa, what else is is, is he? You don't know what he looks like. Well, you ought to know. Sure, he's red, he's got horns. And he's got a pitchfork. I have no idea what the pitchfork is for down there. where he's supposed to be shoveling coal into the fire. And no no doubt about it, he rules hell. Now then, of course, there's nobody in hell. And he's not there yet. So he's certainly not the ruler of it, okay? There will be some there, but there's none there yet. And uh, quite contrary to popular doctrine, there's nobody in heaven yet either because there's been no judgment, okay? God is not going to send you to hell and then come up to the judgment bar of God and then decide uh, that he's made a mistake and so he gets you out of there and puts you into heaven or maybe he sends you to heaven and then he comes and the books are open. There's been a mistake there and so he sends you down to hell. He's not going to do that. The books were open. In other words, there's no judgment made until the books are open, and that's the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we'll be judged, of course, according to the things, the deeds we did in our body. And then after the thousand-year reign of peace, then the ungodly will be judged. But the devil is not any of that. The devil appears so many different ways, and that's why he can get by with so many things. He appears as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen portrays him as an angel of light. He can come and make you, and he is slick enough, and he has more years, at least 7,000 years experience on humanity. And he has far more experience on betrayal than that. He can come and make you think sometimes he's God. Because he's that slick. And you're not going to know the difference unless you know God's ways. Okay? The message still remains true. You're not going to know the difference. First Peter describes him as our adversary. Always, always our adversary. He is never your friend. How many of you know that? He may appear sometimes as a friend, but he is not your friend. And 1 Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians 3, 5 describes him as a tempter. Always there every day, every hour of the day to tempt us and to get us away from the things that we ought to do. 2 Corinthians describes him as a deceiver going about, whom he may devour and deceive. 1 Thessalonians two eighteen describes him as a hinder. He always hinders your life with Christ if he can. It wouldn't make him any difference if he knew that he wasn't going to destroy you or destroy your relationship with God. He's going to hinder you from becoming fully matured in, his life, in, in your individual Christian life. And then Revelation describes him as a beast, and Peter talks about in uh, 1 Peter 5, eight. he's a restless ro- roaring lion, pardon me, seeking whom he de- may devour. And Second Corinthians, the apostle Paul with more insight, And a lot of individuals talks about him as being the God of this world. Not necessarily the God of Christians, but the God of this world. And Ephesians, Paul writing again to the church of Ephesus, talks about him being the prince of the powers of the air. So we have an adversary that is prince of the powers of the air, demonic forces under his control, and we'll get into that a little bit later. And also he's the God of this world who goes about uttering chaos. So with an enemy, pardon me, like this, and who has all of these things, I think, as far as I'm concerned, it's time we found out what his operations look like. And we do this by simply watching. Not other people's lives, like so many of us are prone to do in making judgments on other people's lives, but watching our own life. We can, if we are aware, that he is active in our thought life. We ought to know this as Christians. But we can catch him in the act of motivating our thought life. We can catch him in the act of motivating our actions, sometimes even our speech. And you've got to remember that every thought and every act or every word spoken is not from the Holy Spirit. We have another fleshly thing in our body that demands that it be the king sometimes. And when we see him controlling these areas, Now, we have to be aware that he can control these areas or we're not going to be on the watch for him. And when we see him controlling these areas, the Bible says, for us to use James 4, 7, I've heard this said so often, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And that seems, you know, it seems like it's just a little thing. And I've heard many people say, well, I resisted the devil and he didn't flee from me. And that's probably so because we left out the first part submit yourself unto god resist the devil and he will flee from you in other words if you're resisting the devil you've got to be submissive to god and have you ever one of the greatest experiences in this world that a christian can have is put the devil on the run that is quite an experience when you catch him messing with your thought life and you know that he is and you begin to rebuke him submitting to god Realizing you have no power at all under the only through the Holy Spirit that resides within you, and you're submitting to God and you're resisting Him, and He's got no other thing that He can do other than just to run, and it's quite an experience. It is not my purpose tonight, and there'll be several weeks of, of this, uh, this teaching on unmasking the devil or Lucifer or Satan and whatever He's called so many times, but it's not my purpose to speak to anybody. Uh, questions or doubts God's word, or to any of us who feel like at all times we are just simply have it over the devil and we don't need to do anything else. But I want to reach individuals like myself and like a lot of you that yearns for complete victory over the devil, where you can have it every day, every hour of the day. And this will happen if we accept the fact that the devil is just as real as our God. Now, we have a personal God, but whether you believe it or not, you also have a personal devil. A personal demon sent to torment you or control you. Now, the devil is not omnipresent like God is. But under control of this demons, demon uh, control, under his control are demons. Third part of the angels fell. we we'll get to that a little bit later. But we've got to understand that personally, the devil is interested in what he can do against you. Personally, he is interested in destroying your experience. Personally, he is interested in destroying your Christian life. And more than anything else, he is interested to keep you from growing into maturity, to keep you a babe in Christ. And as long as you're a babe in Christ, you're never going to understand the fullness of God's ways. And when we understand that he is a personal, personal devil, that he is concerned about you, he's not just concerned about the evil and hate in this whole world. He brings it down to personal effect, and he has sent a demon, just like Paul said an angel or messenger of Satan to buffet him. That was that individual demon's job was to buffet Satan and buffet Paul on every side. And whether we want to realize or not, we talk about angels that surround us. <laughs> okay, and we do have, but we also have personal demon forces that's out to destroy your soul, destroy your life, and destroy your body. And when we understand this, We're going to have a healthy respect for our adversary. We're not going to be afraid of him, but we're going to recognize that he is our enemy, and we'll also want to know how he operates, and he is so sly and so cunning, deceiving and trickery and lying, and then we're going to have a defense system. You see, you can't fight the devil without a defense system. You're going to have a defense system for protecting your thought life. Now then, let's stop and ask you a question. Have you ever woke up, and you feel great and happy and rejoicing, and you're just as peaceful as you can be, and then as though some evil thing has happened to you, your mood swings, and you're depressed, and you're sad, you're angry, and you're upset over really nothing, and you're complaining about every little thing, guess who is behind this? And I am not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I would imagine there's been a lot of us are, we have woke up like this, And then immediately something happens and we don't understand what it is. We can blame somebody else. We can blame a telephone call. Or we can blame something happening. But unless we get to the root of this thing and realize it is your personal devil that doesn't like to see you happy and he doesn't like to see you rejoicing and he certainly don't want you peaceful. And so immediately he begins his work. And if we are not careful... If we don't have a defense system for our thought life, he's going to move in quickly and your mood is going to swing the other direction. And the Bible says if we recognize this, rebuke the enemy in Jesus' name and continue to do this until victory is won. In other words, we have the equipment to do this. And the Bible tells us we need to be equipped with spiritual mechanics for resisting him. Have you ever thought what it takes to resist? First, recognize it. Realize this is not me, alright? This is not the way I am. And all of us know that as Christians we should be happy at all times. I'm not saying we're not going to have uh, lows and highs, but whenever we plunge down into the depths of despair we have a problem there and we have to recognize something is working on us. We have to realize this is not really me. This is not my attitude. This is not the way I am, and yet it's the way I am now. But first recognize this. Have a defense system against it, and then be equipped with something that will resist him. In times like that, and I had us to sing that song before our our message began because that's the one that I use on him when he comes, tries to plunge me into the midst of despair. Heavenly Father, I appreciate you. I don't call on him to have me to have him to help me. I don't ask him for anything. I just begin to honor him and praise him and magnify his wonderful name or maybe sometimes a joyful song, something that's exciting and something that is happy like victory today is mine on and on you can go find something that will work for you. That will penetrate and you have Already established your defense system. It's protecting your life. You have the spiritual mechanisms and mechanics to resist him. And if you can't do that, a good prayer sometimes will work. Or you can get into the Bible or speak the word or just a good old-fashioned heartfelt rebuke in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. As I said, the Bible sets forth a personal devil just as clearly as there is a personal Savior. 1 Corinthians 2.11 Lest Satan should get to advantage of us. Now, Jesus is talking about, or Paul is, talking about forgiveness. Talking about how we need to forgive. Now, isn't that a good message for the church today? Because there's a lot of unforgiveness in hearts and lives of individuals, and in Christians, and in all of us sometimes. We need to realize who's behind this. What is causing us to be unforgiving? What is causing us to keep bitterness and anger and hurts up inside of us what's what's happening to us why is this happening and second uh, 2 corinthians 2:11 2, paul talking about forgiveness he said you need to forgive and this is he, why he said lest satan should get the advantage of us see forgiveness and anger pent up emotions and hurts and leaves you open for the devil to get advantage to you and he said lest the devil should get advantage of us for and this is what i saw that i wondered for we are not ignorant of his devices. Do you hear what Paul is saying? That seems like a fantastic overstatement for today. The average Christian don't even know who Satan is, let alone have knowledge of his devices. You don't even hear him talked about much in the pulpit. It's as if he doesn't exist. And whenever we do talk about him, we put him down like he's some dumb thing that just don't know anything at all. Let me tell you something. He's a whole lot smarter than any of us in here. And pitting all of our brain power together, he's a whole lot smarter than all of us placed together. The only advantage we have over him is Jesus Christ. Indwelling power of God's presence inside of us that makes us stronger than he, but we have to know his ways. I want to read you what I found one time, one Christian writer, and this is what he said about Satan. Wonderful it it is that he can prevail upon Christian people to not mention his name, and pastors may only now and then make an occasional reference to him from the pulpit, while every room of their household, in every street of our cities, Satan is incessantly manifesting his hateful presence, and we have just saw that, and we see it every day. It's just greater than it's ever been but find in your cities where he dominates and destroys through liquor and through, uh, through uh, drugs and through uh, prostitution and through AIDS and all of these things. And he is disorganizing until the whole framework of society is loosened and ready to crumble. I want you to look at our nation today. And I want you to look how much we have let down. The devil is no more to most people. Continue on with what he says in a figure of speech. And it is not easy to get serious about Satan in these days. And yet he is a very personal, personal enemy. Yet, he says, who can read divine prophecy concerning the close of this age and not be obligated to see the works of evil? Society is throwing off every restraint. The public appetite for sex and violence and a new morality is fed daily to us through the medium of television and whatever else. That's the end of quote. But when you look around, alcohol flows freely. Doesn't seem to be any stopping to it. Drugs, teenage rebellion, coming from schools and coming from parents and not taking their place where they ought to take it. Riots, all manners of crimes, nudity flourishing and getting worse, consenting sex from grade school into adulthood of all ages. And if you don't think this is so, just try to punish a criminal. Just try to correct a teenager, just try to correct any child for that matter and see what happens and see who screams out. Try to stop a riot and then you find the very vocabulary of the world Inside the churches today, speaking almost just like they do, acting just like they do, and allowing things to go under their home just like the world does. And it's hard sometimes for us to distinguish a Christian from those that are out into this world. Why is that? Not because they're not Christians, but because they haven't set up a defense system and they're not even aware of what's motivating their lives. A murderer can get more attention than a victim regardless of age and regardless of the crime that they commit, More and more television gets brazen, more brazen than ever before with nudity. You can't turn it on. You can't find a a good movie anymore without at least one scene, a bedroom scene, flips in there just like that. We watch sometimes, and it's supposed to be a family movie, and for the most part, it goes along real good, and then they have to have at least one scene that catches you off guard. Now, who is in charge of that? Who is doing that? Who is motivating that type of an affair in our lives? And then with all of this, filthy language, violent scenes, sex acts, almost right out in the open, and then we have the audacity to ask what's wrong with our youth today. We need to check our own home. See if we can find some of Satan's contents in it. Can I get that brazen? Mm -hmm. See if we can find some of the devil's things inside it and check your mindset on this stuff. What do you think about it? Have you recognized this possibly, could be, Satan slipping in and destroying your children while you worship God in your pews in the church? Have you ever thought about that and have you ever looked around and realized that is happening in more families And you want to shake a stick at? Pardon the expression. And yet we don't seem to be aware, let them do what they want to, the way they want to do it, and then just hope and pray that everything is going to turn out all right. Well, let me tell you something. From the pulpit, it will not turn out all right. Because you're supposed to be in charge of that. And you're supposed to know what's in your home. You're supposed to know what's happening to those who are under control of you. And it is your responsibility and God will hold you responsible for it. You see, Satan is organizing the thought life of people today. And he is manipulating the passions of men and women and children. Christians will soon be. We are now. But when I got a hold of this and we're just going to lay some groundwork and we're going to get into some pretty good depths before this is over with probably not tonight we'll be laying the groundwork but we're going to be confronted very soon now with power and signs and lying wonders and even now tempting influences are closing in very fast and if we can't run with a footman how in god's name are we going to keep up with a horseman? and right now is the time for us to begin and for us to understand, we have demonic forces and demonic activities. doesn't matter whether you feel like you're a perfect Christian or not. Satan doesn't care what you think about yourself. He's just interested in destroying you and destroying those you are responsible for. And God's people need everything they can get from the Word of God. And yet, how many times do we lay the Bible up and we don't pick that thing up until it's time to come to church? Amen. Amen, Brother Hoseclaw. Amen, Brother Roy. Let's get it down to where it belongs. I'm the one up here right now. I don't want to blame all these other host clubs for what I'm saying. <laughs> okay? I, I just want to blame it all on myself and what I've found to be true. And we don't get into the Word. We need to get into the teachings of God. Yes. Amen. We need to sit and listen to the preaching of God. Good things come from the preaching of God. Amen. And we need to read the Word of God and remember the Word of God. Yes, we and we need to live for Christ now and in the future. That's not a scare tactic. That is just plain fact. And very few are standing for his name and for morals. Many are caught in a downdraft of this world. Churches are letting down on moral standards. Doesn't even seem to be one anymore. Uh, Pastors are tickling church members' ears with sugar-coated messages. Tell us what we want to hear, we'll get get somebody else. And they're not preparing them. They are not aware of the onslaught of Satan because there's more playtime, less praytime. I think we played far too long. I'm old-fashioned, and I'm old, and I'm on me, all right? And I just see things the way it is, and I just find out that we play too much. We're interested in the things of this world, and we run after the things of this world, and we neglect the things of God. Now, there's nothing wrong with some of the things happening in this world, but at the expense of the negligence of God, it becomes wrong, my children. When something takes the place of God, when something takes away from your feasting on God's Word, when something takes the place of the house of God in your life, then you have not set a defense system and you don't know what the devil is doing. You might make it in because you probably know enough and you know to repent, but will your children know this when everything is dominated by the things of this world? Just have to say it like it is. And it becomes till there's no recognizable difference between some of the children of God and the children of Satan. I uh, was pastoring in a church at Mount Vernon, and this young man always wore a cross on a chain around his neck, identified him as a Christian. And uh, he, I forget what he did, he went around and checked to see if, after cars had, what do you call that, after automobiles had been wrecked, and he goes around, insurance adjuster, there you go. And uh, he went to this individual's house, This lady and was looking at her automobile and so on. And uh, after a while, after talking for quite a while, uh, she said, you're a Christian, aren't you? He said, how did you know? Because of the cross around my neck. She said, I didn't even see the cross around your neck. I knew it by your language. I knew it by your speech. I knew it by your actions. That's the way Christians need to be known. We don't need to go around and testify and going and say, I'm a Christian. Let them find out by the way you talk. Let them find out by your actions. Let them find out by your Attitude. Attitude. Need an atti- attitude adjustment. All right? Attitude adjustment. Sometimes when you come into the house of God, right there at the vestibule, it's where you need to get an attitude adjustment. All right? Don't come in with a chip on your shoulder and dare somebody to knock it off because you want some excuse to tell them off. You've got somebody sitting on your shoulder. Uh, your defense system is not working and the devil is doing what he wants to do. Okay? At times, even the conversation. The conversation are the same as the worldly caliber. (laughs) Relate some of my experiences. Spirit-filled individual. Member of the church in Rosie Clay, Illinois. Sports-minded, and that's all right. Nothing wrong with that until it comes too far. And uh, had a problem with his son. His son... Didn't know anything about the Bible. He and his wife, both spirit filled Christians, they didn't know anything about the Bible. You'd ask him questions he didn't know. But you asked him anything about any of the baseball players, and his answer was just like that. Now, is there something wrong with that? I'd say there is. I'd say there is. I'd say you need to know just as much about God, be taught just as much about the Bible as you're being taught about worldly affairs and worldly ventures out here. You are saying sometimes God is not even mentioned. Conversations, Christians even, can go for an hour at a time and hardly ever mention the name of Jesus. Hardly ever mention anything about the church. Hardly ever mention anything about the message the pastor preached to the Sunday school lesson that was taught. And, and the only way it's going to leave here, saints, is through you. I mean, I can sit here and just teach this and, uh, and then if it don't go any farther than this, I, I really haven't wasted my time. I've done what God has told me to do. But if you're going to take your pastor's message and the teacher's the Sunday school lessons outside of here, you've got to understand there's some spiritual mechanism that's not working. Amen. You have a defense system that is not working. All right? And when you become so concerned that your conversation is continually... Maybe... Am I doing all right? You're doing all right. Okay. I just wanted to check with the pastor to be sure because I might be hitting some toes and not even know it. That's what it comes from, not being at your house and not knowing what's going on too much, okay? But many times with Christians, and I've even seen it in the house of God, our conversation is on everything else but the Word of God and why we're here. And can you imagine what a stir would make in our little congregation, if we could put as much effort on discussing God and discussing what God wants or even praying for our, our, our service that night, can you imagine what God would do if we could do this? Maybe we ought to try it and see if we could find out what He would do. He would not disappoint us. But sometimes worldly activities and pleasures is just used in Christians with as much enthusiasm as it is with the world. We can get enthused about everything that's going on out there. Then we come and sit like a mute individual that never has a tongue and can't talk in the house of God. Don't tell me that's not so, because it is. We can scream and holler. Who laid it? I may not get any further than this one, okay? Be alert of the truth of Satan and equipped to resist. It's most urgent. Be aware of what this is. Don't blind yourself to what's going on. Don't say, I'm a Christian and this doesn't happen to me. The devil has no control over me until you can look around and see what he's doing. Until you can look around in your life to see, is he controlling my thought life? If it's on everything but God, he is. Do I have a defense system? If he gets in there, you don't have. You don't have any spiritual mechanics to deal with him. At least we don't use them. And yet the Word of God, the book of Psalms, the best thing you can read. Whenever you're in misery and you can hear the psalmist David as he cries out in the midst of despair. And then you watch him before it's all over with. he be glorifying God, magnifying the name of Jesus, utilizing what he has inside. He has his downside. But also he don't leave it there. He has his upside also. One day Satan is going to be revealed to us and we're going to see him destroyed and cast into where he needs to be. But right now his success depends on our ignorance. Okay, How successful he is depends on how ignorant we are to his ways and to God's ways. And right now he has to work in personal darkness, absolute obscurity. And he is getting away with it. I mean, we are not recognizing that he's doing that. And Christians no longer ask themselves the age-old question. What is that age-old question? Will or would I do or would I say? Or would I dress? Or would I act like this if Jesus was with me? And the part we don't realize is he really is. And because he's so merciful, all he does is plead with us. The way he rules mankind. And when you look at it, practically unnoticed comes in, elevates himself, becomes sometimes, in our thoughts especially, and it's a fascinating mystery how he can come in with spirit-filled Christians and dominate their lives, and take control of their moods and attitudes, sometimes without a fight at all, as bad as Adam, when he give up without one word. If, Satan de- if Satan's success depends on darkness, then it is up to we as Christians to shine the light of God in there and expose his operation. Amen. In other words, when you recognize what he's doing, number one, you have to realize that none of us are immune to this. The only immune system we have is through Jesus Christ, and he will tell us when we're being used by the Satan. And the first thing the uh, the Christian really needs to do about Satan is to find out really who he is. I'm going to read to you some of the things written by Chaffin and Unger and Lewis and Colts and Morgan and Jennings and C.S. Lewis and his dealings with the devil. And this is some of the things they say. Now, we'll get to Scripture on this a little bit later, but I'm only quoting what they say. And I believe it wholeheartedly said Satan was created by the Word, which was the visible expression of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. And so by the very Word of God, Satan was created. He brought him into existence. Heaven's skill and heaven's love went into making him after the divine image. God created him after his image. He was vested with ever grace and anointed as the guardian of God's glory. He wore, this is before his fall, talking about Lucifer. He wore righteousness comfortably. He was holiness personified. Lucifer, or Satan, seemed to have been given the task of producing a race of citizens for heaven, and to, he was to lead them in open praise and adoration of the Most High God. We'll get some of this a little later. He was absolutely perfect in every way with his glory second only to that of God. He was the best God could create. None was wiser, none was more beautiful, none was more important. And like his creator, he was free to make his choice. God did not create the angels, none of them, without a choice. I heard somebody preach the angels didn't have a choice. They've already made their choice. They had a choice just the same as you and I have our choice. They made their choice in the eons of time when Satan rebelled and drew a third part of the angels down with him, they made a choice for the devil. Two-thirds of them made their choice for God. That's why we have angels surrounding us. It's because they already made their choice. They don't have to make it anymore. We're waiting to make our full choice. He was absolutely perfect in every way with his glory, second only to that of God, best God could create. And it's not certain where Lucifer was producing the race of citizens, whether it was in heaven or whether it was on earth, have a little more on, on that a little bit later, but the chaos of Genesis one and two indicates a ruin of the earth occurred prior to the recreation account of Genesis, or uh, occurred prior to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, where God refurbished and placed Adam and Eve in it. And some of them think that God's kingdom or Satan's kingdom was there, and others hold to the idea that the universe and He was so mad after the de- after He was cast out of heaven, and His revolt was started that he, he wanted to get even, and so He caused chaos in the world. Now, Satan's sin, Lucifer's sin, made like his creator, completely free to exercise his will, Satan could do or not do the will of God as he saw it. He had power to revolt if he wanted to. God has never created any type thing that he gives anything in his spirit in it and breathes in it. Never created anything that he didn't give a chance to accept him or reject him. And you're going to find out a little later on in these lessons where God used Satan and still using him to bring him a perfect tested race. And it wasn't, somebody said, I don't know on this, I've had some questions on that, maybe need to be a little bit more into it, but it doesn't seem like that it was suspected that he would cover his maker's throne, for it seems like he had every honor that could be given except one, and that was God. And Ezekiel indicates he lived to praise God you find that in Ezekiel and we we'll get to that later. But the day comes when iniquity was found in him with everything that he had, all the glory and power next to God and everything, ruler of an earthly people, no doubt maybe different than what Adam and Eve was, but ruler of an earthly people here and given charge over this world and yet was not satisfied. So probably maybe not planned, I don't know. But the answer remains, I guess, locked in God's time. But if sin can be described as rebellion against the knowing will of God, then what we see and know and the hatred is perpetrated on mankind today begin that very day when he wrote.